I think most people wait around for the stars to align. It's very rare that the stars align. And when they do, you have to be ready before that happens. When Facebook decided to make a longboarding commercial, I didn't then spend hundreds of hours replying to DMs and making tutorials and whatever. If you weren't ready, they weren't picking you. So a lot of people, I think they just, they hold off too long on, on waiting for their job to pan out, waiting for them to have a little more money, a little more planning, a little more preparation. Yeah, the biggest moments in your life are gonna come out of nowhere, but they're going to be serendipitously worked towards. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man Podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite bearded man, Bob Bay. Each week with our guest episodes, I try to put the spotlight on someone who in my eyes is living their most authentic life. Our guest today is from Salem, Oregon. He's a professional longboard skater, content creator, and marketing professional. You may have seen him in Vin Diesel's uh, movie, Triple X3, The Return of Xander Cage, where he was the stunt double. He's a savage. Uh, he's the founder of Pure Longboarding, an online uh, longboard course, excuse me, as well as Amp Skate, a new platform designed to make all styles of longboarding more accessible. He's gearing up for his Beyond the Board tour, where he'll be taking a custom school bus around the western part of the U.S. to film and host longboard events that empower people with confidence and community. Today on the podcast, Brandon Desjardins. What's up, homeboy? Did I say the last name right? Deja Le, you got Ooh, it. Ooh, baby. I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> no, yeah, you did it, man. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. That last name is pretty butter, my friend. Yeah. When you get it right. When you get it right. 99% of people, when they're introducing themselves, uh, like, oh, you're Brandon, and then just, do they butcher it? Dejarlis. Oh, I know. You must hate that. You must have hated that growing up. No, no. I, actually, I... I, into it? I, I do. I do. So people say the the very few times that people are like, oh, de, Deja Le, I'm like, it's Dejarius. <laughs> and, and their face always turns because, you know, they think they nailed it. They think they had it. You know, it reminds me like um, I went to this uh, like Lebanese place recently. I still don't know whether I'm right or wrong or whether I'm fucking this up or not. But basically, I went in and asked the dude for a euro. I was like, I want a euro, like, you know, mm. gyro, right? Yes. And it, right. And I was like, and the dude's like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? And I was like, uh, uh, gyro? <laughs> and he's like, you mean a gyro? <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. No. <laughs> I, I still don't know, dude. I think it's a gyro. I think it might be a gyro. A gyro? Dang, dude. I don't know, though, I to be honest with you. <laughs> it's, it's one of those words where you can't win. Yeah. You, like, just have to, you just have to gamble it. Yeah. Uh, if anybody hears the podcast, immediately DM Brandon uh, after this podcast episode and send him a voice audio message of how to actually pronounce it. Because I don't know. I was I was raised hearing gyro, so that's what I assume it is. But I will not be here to say that I would bet my life on it. We're probably both wrong. Yeah. We're probably, probably both wrong. It's okay. <laughs> uh, super excited to have you here today, man. There's a lot to discuss. You are an absolute savage when it comes to longboarding. Uh, fun fact about me, I bought a skateboard when I was in fifth grade. I got on the board. I rolled down the hill. I fell back on my back. I got the wind knocked out of me, and I never once got on that board again. It was a blind blue skateboard, and RIP was one of the many passions that I tried. Should have gave it a little bit more effort, <laughs> but I realized early on I was not the best um, – uh, I, I don't know what the word is. When, you, when you're like wobbly, uh, you can't stand mm. – uh, not not the most coordinated. Coordinated. Thank you. I'm so happy you thought of the word. Other it, other sports or just that, that's a whole another conversation for another day. I played sports all the way up through sophomore year of high school, and then I started working and making money. And I also recognized I'm not gonna be 
a top athlete on the varsity mm-hmm. team when it comes to getting onto varsity. So it's just kind of one of those things where I parted ways. But yeah, look ch- at, chicks don't dig the dude on JV anyway. Nah, they don't. But I became the team manager for the basketball team, and they dig that. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> had the nice button yeah, up, yeah, had yeah, a nice okay. had a nice tie on, had yeah. a nice little chin strap going. They did they did dig that. Uh, but that's a whole another day for another conversation. Uh, but you're a savage when it comes to, this, to the longboarding. Uh, just you know, casually going down a hill at 65 miles an hour is just unbelievable. Going off of this though, going off of sports, perfect segue in. 15 is when you discover this. Around 15 is when you discover this downhill skating passion and you immediately fall in love with it. At the time, though, you are somebody who's already playing sports. You're playing football, basketball, baseball. You uh, have experience with photography. So it's very obvious to me that you're somebody who is just following his curiosity. You're trying a lot of different things, which is great. Mm -hmm. What is it about downhill that you fall in love with? Yeah. Uh, Out of all these different things you're trying out. It was strange. I never, I never heard of it. I never mm-hmm. knew of it. You know, I had a board, a skateboard, like a lot of people have guitars and skateboards when they're kids and they never do anything with it. Yeah. I had a board when I was like nine, I think. A skateboard or a longboard? Skateboard. Big difference, skateboard, right? right? And my mom and dad convinced me that they were professionals. So they got me and my little brother boards. And then I remember he like kind of turned down the sidewalk and he's like, see, your mom and I are professionals. <laughs> and I believed it the first couple of days until I did it. And then I was like, okay, it's not that hard. You guys are lying to me. Uh, so I had that. I don't know. I learned how to ollie kick it and then uh basically yeah middle school it's a week before my birthday i think my maybe my 14th birthday in eighth grade and i was like hey man what do i get what do i get for my birthday like i have no idea mm. and he's like oh you should get a longboard i was like oh that's cool i mean i have a skateboard what's the difference he's like well it's just longer and you bomb hills <laughs> i was like well all right <laughs> bomb hills. i was like i was like bomb hills what does that mean okay cool let's try it so my dad got some cheap ass 30 dollar board on craigslist they're like rusted bearings. It sucked. Whatever. I didn't know my best friend's older brother was like super into this, but apparently he was. My friend lived like five blocks down the street and it's like a 2% grade hill. So you bit my ass. I jumped on the board, started going to his house, two pushes. And by the time I hit about seven and a half miles per hour, I started to wobble out. I made it straight to the grass and cartwheeled in the grass <laughs> and jumped off the board. And I was like, this is exhilarating this i love it. this i was like yes oh and I mean, it just happened so serendipitously because i showed up at my buddy's house and then there was all these longboards there and i never saw them because i was just we were just hanging out playing video games you know we're in like mm. we're in sixth grade or whatever it was, eighth grade or whatever it was so i never it never really clicked and then i was like oh dude you're like i just got a board can you borrow one of your bro- one of your your brother's boards mm. and he's like yeah cool and then that the week of my birthday is march 16th so it's almost always spring break yeah in oregon spring breaks hit or miss weather-wise weather-wise and this was like the best spring break ever it was like 75 and sunny the whole week oh, so you were shredding all week. oh dude and i live like two blocks away from the soapbox derby hill so soapbox derby hill is just like you know boy scouts do it i don't know but it was in totally. the middle of the park no cars perfect little grade kind of went up at the bottom and so i was just there all day every day and throughout the course of spring break I met like 20 different people that all had longboards. And I was like, where were all these people? I didn't, I, I'm two blocks away from this shit and for I years. Never, I never, I never knew, knew about never it. Never knew. And yeah, my my buddy's brother, this guy, Jed Johnson, he he was just super into it. Like in the as far as Oregon and the Northwest, he's like one of the top five dudes back in like 2009 that were like super into it. Mm. And so we just kind of started hanging out with them. And then they're like, oh, here's how to slide. Here's how to do this. Wow. We started bombing hills. And then it was just like, I just went from nothing to like super into it out of nowhere. Wow. Now going into it, are you somebody that quickly eats shit 
and gets like mm. pretty banged up because when I see this sport, yeah, immediately that's what I think of is like you are definitely getting beaten up to get to the level you're at. So how quickly did you start having like some pretty gnarly falls mm. and tumbles? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Because um, you're not seeing you're not that's not happening in basketball. I mean, football, you're getting banged up. Basketball, I guess you could on the court, you know, if you're playing outdoor, but like yeah, you're mo- signing up for... <laughs> yeah, mo- most all skate injuries are from people who have been doing it for less than like two weeks. I don't remember exactly the numbers mm-hmm. and whatever it was, but I, I did some research on this at a point to like help pass a skateboarding law in Salem, my hometown. Really? Yeah. You got... you got Because it, it was like illegal to skate like on roads. There's like a gray area. And in most cities, there's like some sort of gray area. So... I partnered with this dude, Corey Poole, and a couple of their friends. And I'm like, I don't know, ninth grade or something this time, 10th grade. A bunch of my buddies were getting their boards confiscated when they skated through downtown just because it was like, you couldn't be on the sidewalk, couldn't be on the street. Uh, that's wrong. It was like, yeah, it was like weird. Okay, that's wrong. So anyways, we just basically made it so it's the same rules as biking and skating. But uh, I went to the local TV station. I borrowed cameras to do this. And they're like, yeah, you can do that, I guess. And so we went, and then we went to uh, like this meeting for the city. And I haven't talked about this in a while, actually. I don't think I've ever talked about this. Love it. Yeah. But uh, I filmed this whole video. Like, I rented lights from the from the um, studio studio, and, like, filmed all my buddies. And it was, like, super serious. Like, you know, skateboarding's really changed my life. Like, this is my mode of transportation, man. I filmed all these different people that are, like, w- working or, like, younger people, older people. And then I remember, like, we went into this meeting. They played the video. And then... We had a posse, like, I don't know, 15 people or something that showed up to this. Nobody shows up to city council meetings, you know. So basically, if you show up, you get your way, basically. And uh, they're like, okay, cool. Does anyone have anything they want to say? And I immediately threw my hand up and I was like, yes. And then they, they invited me to stand up and talk in front of everybody. And I just paused for 30 seconds and I had nothing to say. You're nervous? I was so nervous, bro. Yeah. I like, I like had nothing to say. And then I think they're like, okay, well, on to the good. next. Yeah, they were just like, good. Yeah. And then my friends were just like, yeah, Brandon. <laughs> they saw the video and, it, you know, it followed through. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty funny time. Talk about essentially creating your own opportunity to pass the law. Like, yeah. you just took matters into your own hand to actually go out there and change it. And actually, the fact that you just even had that vision to go do it, probably, you know, as we're going to get into today, just shows the um the work ethic within you of like oh this is the goal how do we how do we get there oh okay we're gonna create a video we're right. gonna convince I mean, people f- so fortunately there's this guy Corey Poole he's a little bit older guy and he was like really heading that up but I came in with the video mm. you know and I brought all my friends and like you know we made it a whole thing <laughs> but yeah I, I remember like standing it, dude it might have been more it felt like five minutes but I just like stood there and not a single word came out. Oh man! <laughs> now you now you would be up there for the whole thirty minutes talking as much yeah, as you can. Yeah, because right. you're, you're more confident in your own skin. Um, well, it, it's so you, you're picking up you pick up this passion real quick, and then at one point you're literally this is hilarious. You're you're working your way through school. You're a delivery man for Jimmy John sandwiches, and you're delivering these skateboards by your board. Sandwiches on the board, yeah. Unbelievable! You're challenging yourself against the other people out there that are delivering via cars and bikes. To me, when I hear this, this is competitiveness. This is work ethic. Where, where is this all coming from? Is it from the sports growing up or is there something even deeper underneath? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I actually had a, had a talk with Brooke last night about this. Mm. She's like, why do you have this like just burning passion and desire to just like 
just finish everything and do everything. I tried to nail it down last night and I just don't know. Like, I think when I was like three and four, my parents were just buying like math workbooks for me and I would just, just blaze through them. You'd rip through them. I just rip through them. You you wouldn't put up like, Hey, I don't want to do this. This is not, I'm not interested. I was like interested in it, bro. And all the like computer games I had were like, what are we playing? Counter-Strike? No, dude, like Reader Rabbit, dude. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like some random some random <laughs> shit. I don't know. <laughs> I was like solving math problems that were like frogs. I don't know. But, you know, I tried to kind of break that down and I was like, I guess it just comes from that. And like all through school, I was the type of kid where, dude, all the way through high school and everything, it was like, as soon as the teacher assigned an assignment to us, I would just rip through it. And it was always my goal to be like the first done. And I think... One of the things that uh, I've been, I was thinking through last night was just that like I hate having strings attached, and like any little thing, if it jumps on my radar, mm. it is so hard for me to just let it sit there mm. on the back burner. You know what I mean? Even if it's like someone texts me, now it's like got it, got to get there's, to it. There's there's like a slight, it's almost like Gilligan's Island, and like the dude's being strapped down by all the like little tiny mini people, mm. and so it's like every little thing, whether it's an email or something I committed to or responsibility or a piece of homework or whatever it is. It's just like, you want to clean off your plate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like weird. I, I Brooke mentioned, I, I describe it often as I feel like I'm constantly escaping the death star <laughs> and, and the world's imploding around me, which has pushed me to just work my ass off. Yeah. But I, I don't know if there's anything specific. It just kind of ever since I was young. Yeah. That's such a strength though, to, to have that type of mindset to, just want to go to right. want to conquer to uh just get shit done as fastly as timely as possible like it, it was the, the one thing that kind of got me last night though i don't like stress too much over these things and i never i don't like you know break down or like feel like super overwhelmed um but my perspective on it i keep describing it as i'm escaping the death star as opposed to like I'm super excited to work on these things because I do feel like I'm excited to work on all these things too and like push through what I'm doing. And like, that's definitely a, a motivating factor. I'm like just really excited about all the things I'm working on. But at the same time, the way I'm consistently describing it to other people is as if I'm trying to run away Mm. or like, you know, just constantly. You just want to speed things up. Yeah. I'm the same way where it's like I really and the thing that allowed me to focus more on the present moment was every single morning writing down. I have like a gratitude format, journal format that I follow. But one of the sections is uh, excited for and I have to write out three things that I'm excited for for the day ahead because doing that is making me focus on what am I doing today. So of the three things today, you were one of the three was this podcast and it's like get excited for this podcast like remind yourself of how grateful you should be for this opportunity because it's going to come and go. Then it's going to go into post-production. Then it's going to get released. And then it's just like this cycle. But my mind is like, all right, we got this one. Uh, You know, Brandon's coming in today. Who do we have next week? All right. It's just, I'm like thinking I'm the same way. It's like, all right, let's just keep this. Let's keep this machine pumping because we're 110 episodes on this show, but let's get to 200. Let's get to a thousand, you know? So I'm the same way, but I, I, I know that it is a strength. And I also know that it can be a weakness if I if I let it right. get to me. And in, and if I'm in the middle of this conversation, I'm worried about the podcast next week. Well, that's the that's a problem right there. You need right. to dial in on what can you control in this very moment. And that that right. is to- totally what I have to do. totally a blessing and a curse. Yes. and that's how I describe it. Because I'm starting now to to learn how to 
harness that potential and like cut the shit that doesn't matter. But there's definitely still a part of me that when I have hundreds of unread DMs or text messages, I'm just like sitting there like, ah, it's like, oh, it's nagging in the back of my body. It might be 1% of my mind, but it's just lingering. It's like that feeling. And the best way I can describe this to most people, because everyone's been through this, is like the feeling of like when you have homework that's due in school and you're, you feel like you're, you're a day late on it. Teacher will probably give you full points if you turn in tomorrow, mm-hmm. but will they also give you full points if you turn in the next day? Yeah. It's like, uh, but then it's like more and, you know, so it's like this balance of like, how do I turn off like the smaller things and focus on just the bigger things? And I, I think the one thing that I'm trying to focus on now and I'm, I'm working hard to onboard is a, is a badass personal assistant. Mm, to keep you focused on the bigger. Yeah. The things that are going to move the, the needle. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because the thing is, and I, I've actually had to check myself, remind myself where, you know, I'll have like two DMs being requested to me. And I'm like, I can make time to answer this, but I'm like, if, 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 and when the day comes where there's hundreds, you're not going to be able to just commit the entire day to answering these. You're going to have to either be very selective or you're going to have to just wait and not answer them immediately where it's like, if you DM me right now, you're going to get a response within 24 hours. There's no right. question about it. But I think the key is, is reminding yourself of what you just said. What, what can you do at a big scale that is going to affect the most amount of people? Right. And that's by you putting out your content, by you doing the thing that's allowed you to get to where you are today. And then when there's time, answer the DMs right. and get to the well, people back. So, so one of the biggest, uh, I have a huge contradiction to that because I totally agree. Mm. Uh, right. Kind of when COVID hit back in March, I was in, I was just finishing up university, Portland state, moved back to my dad's place, kicking it. Not much in to Oregon. do in Oregon. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to start doing tutorials. Like what's one thing I do? All the competitions are closed. I'm not gonna be skating with other people. I'll just do like these 15 second tutorials. And the first two I posted on TikTok got like 5 million views. And so I was like, Oh wow. wow. And, and my, I don't know if this is, a, this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it was a good thing. And overall that first one, they got like five, 6 million views. I, in, on TikTok, you can't change a caption. And the caption I wrote was DM me on Instagram at whatever. Dude, I got like hundreds of messages, oh hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And then it just like steamrolled because I was like, oh damn. And I responded to everybody because I was so excited, you know? Wow. And what happened is the next week, you know, another video, 50 or hundred thousand or 200,000 views. And it was like, I was putting out random stuff. And then I was also putting out these tutorials and I just kept saying, hey, DM me on Instagram. DM me on Instagram. Because TikTok was blowing like crazy. But the way messages work on there, it's like you either get a lot of spam or you can only message your friends. Mm. You know, so it was like kind of a barrier to enter. And I wanted people on Instagram anyways. Um, so for like months, dude, I was spending three hours a day responding to everyone's wow. DMs. And, and it started to blow up. Like I, I negotiated with one of my sponsors at the time for like an affiliate commission. And I was like, I don't know how many boards I can sell. Like everyone's asking me what board to buy. I was right. Everyone wanted something to do mm. spring last year. And I sold like, I think $10,000 worth of boards oh. the first month. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. But I was answering the same questions over and over. I was answering like, what board do I buy? What's the first trick to learn? Hey, I just got a board. What do I do now? And so over the past year, it's been this like crazy ever evolving process of like, I was answering the same things and I was like, okay, well maybe I just send people 
to link, link to the video. A link, yes. Right? And then I was like, yes. okay, well, I'm sending like five different links consistently to different videos and whatever. And then I was like, well, I'll just put these all in a blog post. So I put on a blog post, sending people to that one blog post on my website. Then it was like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to take these videos and stuff that were referenced in the blog post. And I'm going to make my own version of that. And so I was like constantly like refining this list. And then it was like, I hate copy and pasting this link. And I learned about keyboard shortcuts and like, I have so many different links now and it's like HT and it auto populates <laughs> the blog post about how to get started. <laughs> TR auto populates the link about tricks. Uh, and so, so it started to get really efficient. And I was like, dude, this is sick. I'm mm-hmm. able to like send so many messages to so many people. Um, but the one thing I focused on is I would send every single person a voice message. Mm. And it could be, dude, you can say a lot in 10 seconds. Hey, thanks so much, Bobby. Boom. Uh, super cool to hear you want to get into boarding. Here's two cool options. Check out this link. Stay stoked, bro. Wow. You know, so it's like in 15 seconds time, I can send somebody a badass resource that they've never seen before that they might spend five, 10 minutes on. They might buy a board through affiliate commission and they feel like they got that personal touch all in like 15 seconds. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's more efficient than you actually typing your fingers super, off because you, you do that 10 times and your thumbs are shot. HT, enter. <laughs> What's up, Bobby? How you doing, bro? Okay, so where... Well, what, well so like, uh, I guess on that note, kind of please. bringing it back is like, you know, we mentioned like, hey, maybe not answering all these people is like maybe not the most effective use of time. But by me being bored, trapped in my dad's house and like just putting so much time into this, it forced me to get efficient at this. Yes. And I built like... A crazy loyal community yeah over the past like year and a half totally and that's that's where you're right totally i that is something that i thought about and i didn't really uh, articulate it but it's it's seeing the light bulb moments of okay i'm getting hit up with the same amount of questions how do i make this efficient boom make the videos then create the links then send everybody to the blog post that's smart because you're people all have the same question and how do you how do you actually get them the right answer you build out the content that's gonna it's gonna show them and tell them but i'm more curious now just going off of that where does this passion or what do you enjoy about teaching people because like you said you you've created i've seen the the trick every tuesday video you did that for like 52 weeks straight mm-hmm. or something like that um you've also done the pure longboarding online course mm-hmm. You've also previously been a head instructor at Camp Woodwing out yep. in Europe for a longboard camp. Mm-hmm. W- where does this inner passion come for wanting to help and teach mm-hmm. others? Yeah, I think it's uh, with anything that you get really passionate about and start getting really good at, you get to a certain point where you look around and you realize you're only talking about yourself and it's a dick measuring contest mm-hmm. with everyone else that is doing the same thing. And... I, you know, a year, a couple, you know, over the past couple of years, I had people reaching out to me because I started making more just like fun, random kind of skating stuff and not just focusing on like the craziest, coolest tricks. You know, I was posting every day and just kind of more, I lowered my uh, expectations for what, what is a badass clip or like, what can I show the world? And people were reaching out like, man, how come your shit has a million views? I just did a triple kickflip and it's got 500. And I was like, bro, simply 500 people in the world actually care that you did a triple kickflip. Mm-hmm. Nobody else cares. Mm-hmm. And so there was this like kind of animosity. 
I don't know what that word is. Yeah. It just came out. I was wrong with it. <laughs> Rolled it. <laughs> um, so no, yeah, I mean that, that I started seeing that from other people and I started like realizing I had like a similar red rhetoric in my mind where I was like, how come that dude shit is, how come he's doing so well? I'm way better skater than him. Mm. Right. And so it's not super fulfilling when you're like that self centered, at least not for me. And you get to a certain point where you start to plateau and it's like your wins become more spread out. Right. And so it's not like you're learning new stuff every single day and you're like making this rapid progress like you would at the beginning of any hobby or passion or thing mm-hmm. you do. And it was so cool because once I started teaching people and I, and I started doing those tutorials, I'd have hundreds of people send me videos of them like learning it for the first time. And they'd be so like, bro, cool. your video changed my life, dude. I never thought I could do a trick and, and now I did it or I've been working on this for three months. And your video was perfect, dude. I learned this today. Wow. And I started to see like all that fire and like people smiling and people would like land like the dinkiest trick, you know, and it, they would just throw their arms up in the air and like yell and just be like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. And so I started seeing all that and I was like, man, I was exactly that person, you know? Hmm. And so, and I haven't felt that way in a long time, but I'm able to like kind of live vicariously Yeah. through these, through these new riders. Yeah. I think... I think with anybody, it doesn't matter what you do, what your passions are. I think at some point you're going to want to turn that page where, yeah, you're going to want to continue to build your career and do incredible things, but you're also going to want that act of service, that, that fulfillment that you literally can't put a price tag on where you're actually impacting people and you're getting these messages that literally are price tags. Like there's, there's no better feeling for me than when I get a, I don't care about seeing tens of thousands of views on, uh, on the charts of a podcast mm-hmm. of the podcast, like seeing how many downloads that I get yesterday or last week, that number doesn't mean shit. It's just a number. But if I'm getting DMS from somebody about how a conversation with a guest, how a solo podcast or something I said, the guest said has directly impacted them positively, made them laugh, emotional, gave them the inspiration that's the shit that adds more fuel to the fire within me. If I just see numbers growing all day long and I don't get any direct feedback from a human being, it's going to be very hard to keep that fire inside me alive. Right. But when I'm getting these direct messages, even I got one the other day from a TikTok I had posted. I was, and I haven't, that was the first TikTok I ever posted where I got somebody that saw a TikTok, found me on Instagram and then DM me from it, mm. which is obviously a whole nother conversation in the whole TikTok world. I was like, wow, so I should be doing this. I should be putting out this type of content because it directly impacted someone. So mm. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm not surprised that getting these messages fueled the fire in you to keep doing it because it gives you a, a sense of purpose. There's always going to be more room for you to grow as a longboard. I'm sure there's always going to be more competitions. There's always going to be bigger sponsors and bigger tours and mm-hmm. go, go, go. But that's just you focused. Right. When you could put everyone else in front of you, I think that's when you really start to get a perfect balance of like, yes, I'm building my career, but I'm also helping tens of thousands of other kids do the same. Right, right. And I, I was getting to a point where I was kind of burned out, where I was going to these same same events over and over again, seeing the same people, doing pretty good. I mean, you were finishing top three. Most of the time, at least on your website, you were number one. If not number one, you were top three every single time. I was yeah. like, this, I mean... No big, no big deal, dude. Yeah, right, right. No, I've been to a lot. Um, I never won like a huge. What's the, like, is, there, is there a big competition? Is longboarding in the X Games at all or no? No. I think it used to be in like 2000. So what's the biggest longboard competition in the world? Is there one or is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Red Bull does a couple. 
There's one. Never heard of them. I know. <laughs> Savages. So Red Bull does one. It's actually happening right now, this week. Really? Yeah, it's in Slovenia. Why aren't you in it? Uh, I'm, Timing? This tour, bro. Yeah. Like, I was gonna. I was gonna. And then Fair. I was like, it didn't work out. Fair. Um, <laughs> but no, it was a yeah, event called K&K. And it's just road crazy. Like, I think 16 hairpins. It's a six-minute run. Hairpins, what does that mean? Just Quick like, turn? Like the turn? Yeah, that's just like yeah. this, like zigzags. And uh, 16? 16 and it's like top speed 50 miles an hour and what makes this event interesting is normally like people with downhill you're like wearing these gloves and these pucks and you're able to put your hand down for extra balance Mm -hmm. and that helps you a lot with this event you can't put your hands down or else you're disqualified which is like a whole nother level of crazy because like with all the weight on top of your wheels it's so much harder for you to like go through a corner you do a 50 foot slide and then get ejected off your board, right? It's like it. It's a lot sketchier. It's, it's more, a lot. So it's very. It's it's just a higher level of com- competition. Yeah, and I got second at that one. I got second one year at that same competition. Yeah, yeah. No, I got second or third. Wow, I can't remember. Third, second, third. I guess. Savage. I don't know, but it was pretty cool. I was hyped because it's forcing you to an uncomfort uncomfortable position of use what. You usually use your hands. Now you're not allowed to. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was a balance of like, okay, you want to ride the grippiest wheels, but if your wheels are a little too grippy, the chance of you eating shit is like pretty high. And so it's like definitely a balance. And you're looking at what, what wheels is everyone else riding? It's like, well, dude, he can definitely go around the corners a little quicker, but he might wipe out, you know, cause it's, it's with a road like this dude, six, six minutes long. And like you're tucked down and you're going through these corners. It's like doing a wall sit for six minutes. And through every corner, like someone's like kind of sitting on your legs. Like it's just a lot of pressure. And it's like the event's a week long. So you're skating this road for hours and hours every single day. You're gassed. At the end of the week, you're gassed, bro. Like my legs are super, super, super strong. But for the person that's not skating as much as I am, they're gassed after a couple of days. Yeah. You know? I take every single run. Most people take two thirds of the runs and they're gassed. Oh, like they'll open it up. Like you can take X amount of runs before. It's, yeah. Well, they're just like... Uh, take everybody up everybody goes down the hill and it's like 200 or so 250 people 300 people that go to this one um but people take like a break they're like i'll skip this run my legs are torched i'm gonna take it you and you just go for every single every one. single run yeah yeah what's the especially with your background of literally coming in top three for most competitions that you participate in uh what are the skills or physical fitness or even just mental mindset that you need when you go into these, like you said, the legs, mm-hmm. like your legs are probably rock solid. You, mm-hmm. you don't even probably need to, I don't know. Do you work them out? But what, what are, what are some of these like mindsets or just like things that you need to check off if you're going into a big competition? Hmm. Uh, wrestling. Hmm. Right. You say, Hmm. I did wrestling for six years. You did. Yeah. Never came across that. Yeah. Top secret. Ah, Okay. Uh, no, but, wow. but with wrestling, like I, Oh, that's gotta be somewhat helpful for longboarding. Yeah. Well, it was just like, it was the most brutal shit I've ever done, bro. I was like, I'd lose six pounds a day during practice. Wow. I go home and I just pass out. You know what I mean? And, and I was like, I was not fat, but I had baby fat, like seventh, eighth grade when I first started. So did I. You know what I mean? I think we all go through that phase. Right. Right. I still got a little bit under that chin, baby. <laughs> right. Still got some left. And then, uh, and then, so yeah, going into high school, uh, the wrestling team sucked at my high school. It was like 15 people. I think there's only like 12 weight brackets. 
So I was like, went in. I was like, oh, cool. I'm varsity, I guess. Sick. <laughs> I was like, very decent. Very decent. Uh, but I had this buddy from middle school. We were about the same weight. He was a little smaller. He's a little more scrappy. He's just super cut, strong dude. Um, and the wrestling coach we got that year was a new coach. And it was this guy, Strider Davis. that was like two-time NCAA champion, undefeated MMA fighter. And it's just like a savage. Wow. And for whatever reason, he picked like me and my buddy and he's like, you guys are just going to crush it. And he pushed us so hard. And wrestling is like a really interesting, a really interesting social thing too, because at least some, someone like me, and I think a lot of people, they work out harder when there's other people around. Like you don't want to look like the one dude that like does two curls and takes gym pictures. Totally. You know what I mean? So you're like, if you're in some sort of class or something, like you're working you're out a little harder. You're pushing yourself, right? Yeah. But wrestling's like, okay, cool. Everyone line up on the wall, lightest to heaviest. Um, and then it's like, okay, these five people, which one use the toughest? These five people, which one use the toughest? And then it's like, okay, cool. They're going to tag team. And so you have to wrestle all five of these dudes one minute at a time. Start with the lightest dude and go to the heaviest dude. And so it was just like, this whole battle of like, oh, are you tougher than me? Oh, okay, wow. cool. And that and means the world when you're in high school too. Yeah, dude. Well, and it was, I always just signed myself up because I was like, we got this <laughs> and I get my ass whooped. <laughs> but after getting your ass whooped so many times. You learn. Dude, and yeah, like one of the most impactful things that Strider taught me was like, for one, you can do anything for one minute, no matter how bad it hurts. Like it's just a minute, mm. you know? And you don't have to practice and train for 10 hours a day to be the best in the world. You just have to practice and train for 10% more than your biggest competition every single day. Mm. And you win. No questions asked after years, a couple years of 10% more effort in everything you do eat 10% better train, do, do an extra rep, you know, do yeah. like run an extra couple sprints, stay, stay at practice till five fifteen, not five when everyone else leaves. It a little bit more, stack up. A, t- a teeny bit, dude. Yeah. Exponential. Yeah. Teeny bit. And so when I start, when I was getting into skating, I started those similar time, longboarding and, and wrestling. Right. And it was cool because they're opposite seasons. It rained a lot in the winter and I did wrestling and then I skate a lot in the summer. And I started to do like these distance skating events where it was just like a skate marathon or something. It was like seven miles, 10 miles, 20 miles race. Like a long distance race. I never considered myself a runner, but I just knew I skated so much. And the way I, I would push myself is I'd like always find something to reference. So I'd like look ahead and I'm like, okay, that stop sign, I'm going to push as hard as I freaking can. And I'm not going to stop pushing until I pass that. And then I switch legs and then I just find another, like something in the distance, something in the distance that is just barely achievable. Um, and for anyone that's a runner, you run through the line. You don't slow down your last two or three steps. You, those last two or three steps are your fastest steps. And so I just like constantly, if I'm going 20 miles, I'm doing that hundreds of times. You know what I mean? Just picking a reference point and just going for it super hard. And dude, wrestling whooped my ass harder than any skate marathon ever, ever did. And so some of the dudes that were doing this, they're a bit older than me, um, doing the skate long distance skate events. And they might have been like college runners or whatever, but they're used to like longer distance, uh, less intensity. 
So they like go out and they skate for 30 miles. They skate quite fast. I would train for a marathon just skating five miles a day, but it was the hardest five, five miles. miles. Yeah. And so like when it came down to race day, I had the mentality to push through the endurance part of it, but I had the speed like nobody else, mm. you know? And so I think like a lot of that's maybe transferred into just how I think about a lot of different things, whether it be business or career stuff or whatever it is. It's like, it's always like sprint through the line. Yeah. Never like barely make it. Yeah. it's That's even a great way to look at, as we were talking about before, it's just like, what do you have in front of you today? sprint through it and then you know the big picture is the marathon of these goals and these ideas that you want to bring to fruition but what can you control you can sprint to that stop sign which is really the end of the day right and then tomorrow pick up from where you left off and sprint again that's really the only difference from those who succeed at a very high level jeff bezos great example we see him today but i mean worth hundreds i don't i actually don't know the number of billions he's worth but all the only reason he got to that point is because he's continuously sprinted. I'm not saying it was easy work. Right. I'm not saying he was working just 40 hours a week and then taking weekends off. He's just continuously sprinted over a long period of time, which allowed him to get to this point it's, where he's on top of the world. It's or the, now literally floating outside he's of, out the world. of the world. <laughs> yeah, literally out of the world. He, yeah, so I think that kind of brings it back. Like To be the best, and again, coming back to Strider Davis, shout out to that dude. Um you you don't need to train for eight hours a day. Like if everyone that does the run with you and everyone that does the exercise gives up the last like three steps and, and you know, just drops their pace in half, like they're stopping on the finish line. The difference between doing that and like making those your fastest three steps, if you do that a thousand times, man, the exponential results are just that little, the, those two seconds. Yeah. And if you just consistently just push through those last two seconds and make the two seconds the fastest two seconds and everybody else slightly does, doesn't, you, you ran the same distance in the same time, but it's like how you followed through that now next time you have the bi- a bigger challenge or a faster challenge or whatever, you're used to that little bit of extra consistently that they're not, even if it's the same, same yeah. distance, same time. It's how you how you follow through. That's why I got one percent tatted on my hand. One percent every day. Every day, dude. Just a that's, little bit. That's yeah. That's just a little bit. That's exactly. Push a little bit harder, yeah. a little bit further. One extra rep, a little bit harder on that on that last quarter mile when I'm coming down the stretch. I mean everything. Yep. yep. I'm I'm the same way, man. It's that one percent. That's so cool to see you have that because that's mm-hmm. like one of the things I try to live by. There's there's a lot of categories. Mm. but you got to be at least one, at least for me, I like, I got to be at least 1% better at at least one category every day. Mm. I don't know how many categories there is probably infinite. Yeah. 1% better at skating, 1% faster runner, 1% more efficient, you know? So it's not like after a hundred days, now you're a hundred percent more efficient. Totally. But in all these different categories, it starts to add up a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode today is brought to you by none other than the greatest hydration brand in the game, Liquid IV. Now, if you are a long-term listener of this podcast and you know me, you know I am a big fan of Liquid IV and I drink this shit on the daily. And it's not because I work for the company, it's because I truly believe in the product. Whether it is hangover, digging myself out of the trenches, whether it is post or pre-run, whether it is traveling, whether it is simply just working from home, 
Liquid IV is what keeps me fueled. This podcast is all about helping us reach our inner potential, and you damn well better believe Liquid IV is helping me reach my inner potential. Uh, some of you may have heard me talk about it many times, but you don't know what is Liquid IV. Well, essentially, it is a hydration multiplier that helps you feel your best self. Okay, contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. That's right. How how is that even possible? I still don't even understand how they were able to create this formula. Uh, it's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. It's great for anyone out there that has food restrictions. What makes Liquid IV so effective? It is our cellular transport technology. Some know it as CTT. And essentially, this is the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium that delivers water and uh, nutrients excuse me, into the bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone. One Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water will hydrate you more quickly and effectively than water alone. Why are you drinking water by itself? You need to put this Liquid IV in there and make you feel better, okay? Some of my favorite flavors, tangerine, watermelon, lemon, lime, strawberry. We just came out with yellow cherry. That is fantastic. And there are other flavors out there. So those are my favorites. I'm not saying you have to get them, but you should. And honestly, what is so cool about uh, Liquid IV is that for every stick purchase, uh, we donate to someone in need. And that is the core of the company, all right? Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. So the company, as of right now, has donated $4 million directly just to COVID frontline responders. And not even just that, but $11 million across the globe. Think about how many sticks $11 million is. That is a lot, okay? So all this to say, if you want to help feel your best self, you need to get some Liquid IV today. All you need to do is go to liquidiv.com, right? Liquid-iv.com. Use my promo code, thebeardedman, all one word. That is going to get you 25% off your entire order, Okay. Even if there are discounts going on in the website, you can still use The Bearded Man. It will match whatever the discount is on the website. So please do yourself a favor, hydrate your body, go to liquidiv.com today, use my promo code, The Bearded Man, one word, and honestly, let me know what you guys and gals think of the product. You're going to thank me. All right, back to the episode. I I like that because I would say it's not every single day you're necessarily making 1% growth within every category. It's kind of just depends on that day right today one percent growth was going to be in the podcast category because we record this podcast tomorrow might be more of a fitness thing if i go on a longer run than i normally do the day after that could be maybe one percent better in my social life because i went to dinner with some friends that i haven't seen in a while so it, it definitely varies but i do believe that we can all strive to make a a bigger uh, umbrella of 1% growth in our life on a daily basis without a doubt. Yep. It's just that continuous of pushing it and uh, the small wins. Just fo- literally, it sounds like how many times you have to hear it, but literally just focusing on the 24 hours ahead of you will be the biggest game changer. That's, I think, also a blessing and a curse of what I do. Mm. I very rarely look up. Mm. I'm like so focused on the 24 hours ahead or the week ahead that I just crush it. Yeah. But I... And it's worked out. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's totally worked be out. Where you are. But I could benefit, and I, th- I think I could benefit at least from like um, looking up and like at least charting out kind of a way to get there. Mm. I more just have it in my head and I'm like follow my intuition and just like push through. Mm. Um, 
but I got to say, Gary Vee said one something at a, at a point in time, like maybe two years ago when I started listening to a lot of his stuff. And he said something along the lines of, everyone thinks it's a weakness because they're working on so many different things at the same time. And he was pitching it as more of a strength where it's like you're experimenting and trying so many different things. Like you might not be seeing instant success in every single one of them or even maybe any of them, but the web of context and information that you're building is like so much like stronger and bigger. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. From my personal experience, 2016 to 2019 was just me throwing all different content ideas at the wall. The podcast was definitely still the core, but I was doing YouTube series. I was doing vlog series. I was trying anything and everything. But then as time goes, you kind of get more tuned into what do you really want to do? Less, but but more of one mm -hmm. thing. But I still can pull on experiences from all these different things that I've tried uh, and then use it to my own advantage. Right. So I think that people are scared to try new things or scared to, to pursue different new ideas because they're going to quote unquote fail. It might quote unquote feel like a waste of time, but you're going to learn something that inevitably is going to be put into your back pocket, which you may be able to pull from at a later date. But you don't know that in real time until you go through the process and realize like how beneficial that was. So true. And I found um, I'm trying to have much more balance in my life now. That was and my follow up is do you feel like you have balance or no? I feel like right now it's an insane amount of balance when you consider what it was three years ago, bro. Three years ago, I was just nomadic. I just like from that triple X movie, this is basically what happened. I got a pretty fat paycheck from that. Came out of nowhere, <laughs> <laughs> came out of nowhere. And I did that epic experience. The dudes I worked on the film with their stunt coordinator dudes. Um, yeah, you, you literally look like Vin Diesel in the film. That's why I was like, so mind boggled. Like, well, so, so they, they did CGI, but I had to, I had to shave my head. I had a custom fat suit. Um, wow. I know. But yeah, they like scanned my whole head and scanned his head and it was, Did you get to meet him? yeah, yeah. That's fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was, um, it was interesting. Um, how old were you at the time? 2017 when, when you guys yeah. did this? Yeah. Maybe we filmed in 2016. 2016. I can't remember. It came out, it came out in 2017. So you're right. It would have been 2016. Yeah. I, uh, 20, I think it was right before my 21st birthday. Young man. I know dude. Basically I got a call from one of my sponsors and they're like, Hey, it was like seven in the morning. I was in like a writing class or something. It's like, hey, um, so we got a call from a production company. Um, they just want your stats or something. They want your like measurements. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, I don't know, like your your shirt size. And I was like, oh, okay. But but also like your bicep size and all this other shit. And I was like, okay. Um, went to the weight room. I asked the weight coach, which this would be such a funny story if I told him now because he has no idea. Of what this is for. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. He was like in the middle of a class. And I just like dipped out of my class and went down there and... We like measured all of my stuff and he's like, okay, cool. I sent it over and I got a call that night. I don't know, like 10 at night. Had no idea what was going on, man. And I got a call from this dude, Scott Rogers. He was like, hey, Brandon, what's going on, man? I was like, <laughs> hello. Um, who is this? He's like, oh, it's Scott, man. They didn't tell you I was calling? I was like, no, who's they? He's like, oh, uh, you know, you're, you're, skate company, ABEC 11. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, they mentioned something about a film. Or so, or something is that you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're we're doing a we're doing a production. I was like, oh, cool. I was imagining at the time like university film, like I don't know, some random shit. I was like, why would they want me? I'm like some random dude in Oregon, kind of. <laughs> and and then we kind of got talking. He didn't really, I didn't really ask questions, but he didn't really give me any context. He just started rapid firing. He's like, okay, cool. Uh, can you fly to Toronto tomorrow? I was like, uh, maybe. I have I have school. Uh, tomorrow's a school day for me. <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, I was like, I was like, I, I, I probably could, maybe, you know, I, I think so. Like, I don't care that much about school, whatever. And he's like, okay, cool. And are you free like the next three, four weeks? Um, and I was like, uh, yeah, I guess would I would I be <laughs> would I be in Toronto the whole time? He's like, yeah, well, Toronto and the Dominican Republic. And okay, I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yes, we're filming. I was like, sweet, okay, um, uh, cool. And he's like, sweet. And uh, do you mind shaving your head before you show up? And I was like. Um, I had at the time I had quite long hair, man. It was to my shoulder, like my collarbone, and all my homies had long hair, and so I was like the shortest hair out of my homies, and I was like really excited to get that like flowy Fabio vibe going on. Yeah, and I was like, man, I don't know about this one. The other two, this one I was like, uh, I was like maybe, but uh, what is this, dude? And he's like, oh well, it's um. Well, it's a triple X. First thing came to my mind, gay film. I was like, triple X, they want me to go off grid, fly to Toronto, and then Dominican Republic, shave my head. I was like, I'm all set with this. And then he kind of picked up on, he's like, well, like the action movie. And I was like, oh, okay. You just need like a skater in the background or something. Like, well, we're looking for someone for Vin Diesel. I was like, oh, sick. Uh, Cool. Um, yeah and he's like he's like yeah uh but, but i guess on that note um you know it says you're like 5'11 170 pounds i was actually like 5'10 150 155 maybe and you know vin's like uh 210 six foot um do you have any uh like friends that are a little bigger that might be able to do this and i was like no dude we're all skaters we're skinny i'm the best you got and the rest was history wow Yeah, crazy. But I mean, but then basically, so with that, I met these dudes, stunt dudes, and they're like, "Hey, man, awesome, cool guy. Like, you should come down to LA. We'll get you. We'll get you in working on stunt stuff." And I was like, "Sick. That sounds cool." I was like, "Well, I'm gonna finish up the spring term, catch you guys in summer." And they're like, "Dude, why don't you come down next week?" And I started thinking about it. And I was like, "Screw it, dude. Let's just run with it." I bought a, like a six thousand dollar motorcycle, and just drove my ass to Los Angeles and started doing that. And I had quite a bit of money in my bank account. From the sh- from, from the, the shoot, shoot. <clears throat> I, I never asked, bro. It just showed up one day, and I was like, "Yo, you know, you never asked for any payment. You just no, thought I, this well, was a great opportunity." No, no, I mean, I never, I never asked how much I was getting paid because I was like, "Is that a stupid question?" I don't know. I was like, didn't even look, and I got my. It was like sixty grand, and for me, dude, <laughs> I was like, my family does not have a lot of money, and like, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, and so I was like, "For was it four weeks of work? Four weeks, basically," and I was like this is it, dude. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to go to every top skate event. I'm going to self-fund this shit. Let's go. You know? And I wow. just started, I just started doing that. So for three years, I was like nomadic and, you know, bought a nice camera. You invested in yourself. Invested in myself. And, you know, my, over the course of this time, my bank account was dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And I was like, yo, I got to supplement this. Mm. I don't want this to just crash and burn. Mm. Um, my first passion was actually photography, you know? Uh, I was really inspired by Jackass, mm. right? So good. They got, got a new film coming out. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. I think they, the trailer just came out a couple days ago. Yeah. Okay. I actually heard. Yeah. I actually heard about that. Yeah. And you know, I was always just filming random shit in a camcorder with my homies. And then we started skating, and I just kind of started filming that, and those kind of grew at a similar rate all through high school. I was like equally into skating as I was into photography. And then when I realized I need to start making money, 
uh, skating doesn't really make money. Not really until you're like super good or like super well known. So I was like, okay, cool. I know how to take pictures. So I'm going to start doing that. I was charging a couple hundred bucks here and there to do shit. And I was kind of just living off Vin Diesel and his money. <laughs> and like, as my photography stuff was like, kind of, you know, I was like, how do I get clients? I don't know. How do I get people to pay me monthly? Like, I don't know. And bank account still dropping revenue, slightly increasing bank account, dropping revenue, slightly increasing it forced me to get like, you know, better at the business side. So I had the photography skills, had the skating skills, didn't have the business, you know, and the three big categories for me right now are media, business, and skating. Mm. Right now, they're pretty equal. Back then, it was like photography, media was funding my skating. Everyone thought I was a rich kid. Everyone thought I had everything handed to me. Mm. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you're just entitled white kid. We get it. Cool. And I'm like, guys, you have no idea. You have no idea. And so it got down to like, you know, 2018, 19, basically ran out of cash and had an epic time three years just traveling the world like 10 11 months of the year wow and just was living it up it was sick it was cool learned a lot learned a lot about getting better at media a lot of stuff about business definitely became a more proficient writer um and so i guess what i've realized over the years is that you got to have balance like if you're only a good photographer good luck man you're not going to get paid mm-hmm. you got to be good communicator good business person because there's plenty of people that are good business people and good communicators that suck that have a 200 dollars camera totally. that's their full-time gig totally and so for me it was like trying to find the synchronicity between all those things and over the years like finding the path where all three of those things converged as much as possible on a venn diagram mm. right so i started taking on like social media accounts and managing different social media accounts for different skate brands and then it was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm, they're paying me to go to this event. I can take photos of this different brand gear, different skate gear while I'm at these events. So I'm not only getting the event paid for, but then it's a subject for me to photograph. And then I'm also maybe managing the social media for a different company that like I was also maybe taking photos of or connecting with people, Instagram stories or whatever it was. So it was just like, I shotgunned out and did just a bunch of random stuff and basically most of it didn't work. But it's the more and more I can find things to overlap the more success I've had because it's just more efficient. Mm. And fortunately, I like all those things. Most people in my position, they only like skating. Business is lame. Media is a hassle. They complain about not having like the right gear. Mm. And I'm like, bro, most of my shit's on my cell phone. You don't need, you know, when you're getting paid to do something, different story. If you want to make a fun video on TikTok or Instagram or even YouTube, dude, you can fully do it on your phone. And like my girlfriend, Brooke, her most viewed video ever was filmed on her dinky iPhone. And it was just me and her skating. It was like, I think 150, 200,000 views right now. Yeah, you're right teaching now. her how to longboard. I watched it. Yeah, bro. And, and, Unbelievable. And, yeah, and that was like the most low budget thing ever, dude. She had a microphone plugged in the whole time that wasn't even working. It was dinky. It was like duct taped on the phone. I was like, okay, this is kind of dinky. That's weird. Um, but since then she's done a lot of like, you know, higher production videos with like popular, quite popular people, like, you know, paid hundreds of dollars to like make it happen. And it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think the story is the most important part. It's a story. It's the willingness to make it work with what you've got. 
as yeah. I was talking about earlier about podcasting, if you had a podcast with Brad Pitt tomorrow and it was recorded on a shitty ass iPhone audio, people are still going to listen to it because of what is actually what it is. My, my number one liked photo on my Instagram has over 5,000 likes, has over 3,000 comments, and it's a selfie with Gary Vee. Mm. A selfie. I've, had, I've done mm. photo shoots with photographers that are using $5,000 cameras. And those, I mean, no, nothing in comparison. But it's the context of the story, the message. There's so many layers within right. it. Like one, one of the internet's favorite videos, Sneezing Panda, was not shot on a red camera. There you go. You know what I mean? unbelievable you just have to make it work with, with, with what you actually have yeah and not overthink it but i think that i think that is a really and that was something i realized when i was prepping for this podcast and something very unique about you is that you you have been able and luckily the you've had the the, the passion for photography and editing uh the skating came as a passion and then the business probably was it just something, had to happen you had, it had to there's no question of if it was just like you probably recognize if i don't learn this this is going to be the thing that holds me back from scaling but to be able to really run your own operation. I don't know a lot of people like that. You know, like I, I have another buddy of mine who is in the music industry and he's very similar where he does everything in house engineers, creates his own, creates his own album art, manages himself, does it all internal, hmm. you know? So I think, I think people like yourself are great examples that you might not enjoy certain aspects of what you do every day to the most, but you have the context so that when the time does come, and you've scaled, you're going to have a manager in place to take over the business. You're going to have a manager take over the media. You're going to have a manager maybe that works with you within skating. And then you're the CEO of, the, of these three team members, but you have the context of building it from the ground up, mm -hmm. which allows you to then have conversations within whatever that might look like. Uh, the, the, the one thing I definitely want to hit on today is obviously we're going into this massive tour right now, which is like pretty gnarly that you guys are actually doing this, this beyond the, beyond the board tour, six cities. You're touching all of the West coast. Um, you're gonna be filming it. You're hosting events really to empower people with confidence and build community. How hard has it been to get this idea to come to reality? Whole ass mission. Yeah. I've done skate tours in the past. I actually had a bullshit airport transport bus that I bought just on a whim had like eight, or seven of the team riders for the this company Moonshine I was brand manager for for a while. They all flew in and we did this tour. We just hung up a couple hammocks, got a beer company to sponsor it, threw a couple bean bags and a couch in it, and it was like pretty ratchet ghetto shit, but yeah, super fun. Sleep. Yeah, um, this is this is a little different. Um, with that tour and a lot of the tours I've done in the past for different brands or whatever it is, we just kind of call a couple skate shops ahead of time. Hey. We're going to be here this day. We don't know what time, whatever. Let's have a good time. Tell a couple people locally and we just have a good time. But those events are really, they really only impact the top 1% of people that are the most involved in the community. And hitting back to like the, the lessons I've been doing a lot more of the teaching, I find f so much fulfillment in like helping these newer riders. And there's just a significant amount more of them you know there's like a hundred times mm. the amount of people that want to be a rider and want to like kind of have some confidence and ride around and like the identity of being a skater or whatever but just don't know how to do it and they're not good or they're not good yet mm. and so um you know brooke and i towards towards the beginning of this year 
we started hosting these longboard dancing lessons. And there, there's a group that meets up uh, in town called Doc Session. Um, they meet up every Sunday, 3 p.m. in Santa Monica, if you want to check it out, <laughs> on the beach. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I was looking around, and I was like, man, it's the same 10 people every week. Los Angeles is massive. I know how many people send me DMs from Los Angeles. And I've got a community number. You know, so I like, I see there's like hundreds of people on there that live in Los Angeles that are asking me questions about longboarding. I'm like, yo, why is there only 10 people, 15 people, 20 people maybe showing up this week after week and it's all the same people. And, you know, it was kind of like looking at it and they're like, well, you know, we make Instagram posts. We tell people that everyone's, you know, everyone's welcome. Bring your dog, bring your mom, bring your kids, whatever. It's cool. But it's still top 1% of riders hanging out, kicking it and just working on their super difficult tricks mm. and like really hanging out kind of in a core squad. And so like, you'll see people kind of pass by and they've heard about it or maybe want to join, but it's just too intimidating, intimidated, yeah. intimidated, super intimidated. So it's like, you can tell people it's approachable and everyone's welcome, but different telling and showing is different. So we were like, okay, what happens if we partner with some local brands to get a bunch of gear and we basically take away all the barriers to entry, like free gear, free safety gear, free lessons, hundred percent undivided attention. Um, and just start doing that and making media around that. And it grew from eight, 10 people to like our biggest one was like 60 or so people. Wow. You know, and half the people are coming in, never been on a board before, you know, so you really were welcoming people that were a true beginner for the first time. Yeah. And it blew, it kind of blew my mind. Like I, I knew, like I had a sense that that would happen. And by the way, it could be 200 people. We were just get, we were just getting started before we pivoted to this tour. Mm-hmm. Um, LA's big man. Massive. LA's massive. And um, we started just getting so many messages like, yo, that's sick. How are you guys doing this? How are you guys getting so many new people? Like we had different brands and stuff hitting us up like, yo, we can't get 30 people to show up to like a brand activation and we have 100,000 followers and we're telling everybody about it. We blast our email list and you guys are getting 60 people that are like fresh new riders uninfluenced by any brands. Like that's huge opportunity, Mm. you know? Because half the people that were coming, like I said, they didn't have their own board. And they're like, hey, whoa, what board do I buy? We're like, this one, sweet. You know, a lot of conversions for people. And we're like, okay, do this, do this, do this. You got to actually focus on the beginners. You got to actually put time into it. Lower the barrier to entry. Welcome people. Radical inclusivity. And then we were just thinking about it. And people are like, hey, you know, can you come to New York sometime? Or can you come here? Um, and we're like, you know, I had had the taste in my mouth from that previous tour where I had the bus <laughs> and I was like, let's buy a bus. Mm. And we, and I, we just looked around for a couple of weeks. I said, screw it. We're driving to Phoenix. We're going to get this one kick ass. This is a couple of weeks ago, man. Yeah, you like been... a month ago. This is like a month ago. Wow. And we basically just bought this bus, drove it to Marina Del Rey, parked it with the boat launch, just started sanding it, painting it, digging shit out of it. Security dude was like, kind of cool but i'm sure we weren't supposed to do that <laughs> i was like there's like videos of me like on the top of this bus at night like rolling paint onto the roof shirtless barefoot <laughs> in the marina um self-funded 100 percent. you know i mean we're, we're working to onboard some sponsors right now yeah but i realized over the years if you want something to happen you just have to do it like it's a risk but i believe in it i know i'll just follow my intuition i'm like this is gonna pan out yeah you know the 50 grand it takes to put this together is going to be an infinitely larger amount of value in relationships 
and experiences throughout my life. And I basically took all the money I made over the last year. Um, and by the way, the Facebook commercial just came out. Um, I didn't even know you had one. Oh, really? No, I didn't see that. Bro. There, are, there isn't any recent posts out right now about that that I've seen. Oh, there is, bro. It's the last three posts on my page. On Instagram? Yeah. Wow. Oh, Blown I did. It. Hold on. I did. I did. I did. I'm lying. I'm lying. I completely overlooked that because I just immediately went for the digging of like the bus and uh, the last couple of years. But I did I did see, <clears throat> I when I quickly scrolled, I thought that was for your community building. But I didn't realize that was work that was together with Facebook. So that's a yeah. that's an oversight by Inter- me. International Facebook ad, so it's on TV everywhere in the world. Holy shit! I know that was that was dope. How did that come inbound? Random. I'm when you, go, when, you, when you when you Google search my longboarding, like I'm one of the guys that comes up, and I'm pretty well respected in in the industry. So I'm one of the people that if there's a project like this, they'd consider. You How know? does that feel? sick that was my goal the past year i was like when somebody types in longboarding to google or they want to do anything with longboarding downhill cruising on the beach anything i'm one of the i'm always the dude i'm always on the list doesn't mean i always get it but i always want to be on the list right um and that's been successful but right so i did that that that's been cool um, that was an epic team. Like I'm just, I'm so lucky to even be a part of that. That must've been a massive production. Massive. Yeah. It was with this company, Droga five, big ad agency. Um, they did a whole campaign around skateboarding, a bunch of different videos. And this was kind of one of them, but dude, I took literally all that money. I, I had a couple other cool wins with Abercrombie or like different. And no, not Abercrombie. They're going to hate me. Cut out Abercrombie American Eagle. Uh, American Eagle and, and Academy, I've done some commercials with Academy and I just kind of saved up a decent amount of money over the, you know, a little bit of money the past year. It was the first time I had anything in my bank account. Um, but yeah, to fund this trip, like I had to take out all that. I maxed out my two credit cards. I sold my Bitcoin too. I sold my Bitcoin. Whoa. I know. Start dipping into crypto. That's when you know it's a, it's a passion. I still got my Gary V NFT though. (laughs) YOLO, we going VCon. (laughs) You got one of those? I don't. You blew it, dude. Now it's like 10 times the price. Unreal. Unreal, dude. I bought it for like 1500 bucks worth like five, six. No, like 10000 now. Jeez. I'm not selling. I'm holding. I'm hodling. Good. <laughs> Hold the line. I know. Okay. But other than that, dude, I sold all my stuff. I'm like basically took all the wins I had the past year or so. Boom. Into this. I'm negative, dude. My credit card companies love me. Um, <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. But bro, we've been, we've been, you know, we've been talking to sponsors and like, Everyone's like, damn, this is epic. And mm-hmm. you guys are just doing it? Because usually when brands get hit up about this stuff, it's like, hey, we're thinking about putting together this trip at the end of the year. You know, we need X amount to make it happen. Here's what we're kind of thinking. And me and Brooke just spent like a couple weeks just like writing out everything. Dude, we have like at least 100 Google documents about like how everything's going together and spreadsheets. And it's a whole operation. Mm-hmm. So much time went into this. And so now we go to sponsors like, hey, we're doing this, this date, this time, this is how much it costs. Now you it's making out. them, yeah, it's making them pull. And they're like, uh, uh, I, I, yes, uh, I don't know. This is a proof of concept. You know, the next one we do is going to be a lot more ambitious. Most people don't know what we did or don't know what we're doing, bro. And it's like a couple weeks out. When you call a big company and you're like, hey, we're doing this shit in three weeks. We want 10 grand. They're like, what are you doing? And we already spent our money, you know? 
next year we're going to be much more prepared. Most of the work's out of the way. This is a proof of concept. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. It's amazing. Really excited. We're we're basically doing like these big event weekends, and then a bunch of random, bunch of random shit throughout the week. Uh, I would prefer the next tour to be a bit more open ended. But for the sponsor's sake, we had to get, you know, like basically title sponsors of each of these different kind of events. So like Friday night, we're doing a locally hosted party. So that'll be like with a skate shop or whatever that they kind of host it as we come into town. Saturday, we're going to do free lessons in the morning, city scavenger hunt kind of all day, another party at night, and then Brooks doing a women's meetup on Sunday. And it's like loose enough, but it's like easy to communicate to people. Because when you tell people, hey, we're going to go around the country and do a bunch of random cool shit, they're like, okay, cool, talk to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So this had to be like really quite structured um, to give confidence for brands to want to pull in like out of nowhere last minute. Um, But I have a couple interesting ideas that I want to do. One of the things, my grandma, she lives in Phoenix. She had a retirement home. We want to do a skate event at the retirement home. Epic. Right. We want to like teach some of the grandkids. So like get the grandkids out there, teach them how to skate, you know, yeah, have fun. Another idea is like, we're going to be in San Francisco. San Francisco's big electric skateboard community. And the electric skateboard community is a bit ostracized. A lot of them are like 40 year old, like middle-aged dudes. Um, that are like really vibing on like Mad Max, spiky helmet, leather mm. jacket. Um, and they're not seen as like core skaters. They're like, oh, they're just kind of seen as like. Well, this is random kook, you know, whatever. I like electric skating, <laughs> but it's a little weird when you see a dude fly down the street 40 miles an hour in like full like an battle gear. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I get it. It's a little strange. Um, but anyways, there's this road called Twin Peaks. It goes up to the top of San Francisco. Basically cool view. Uh, it's a mile long or so. It's been closed for all of COVID. And I don't think they're going to open it back up, but it's a beautiful skate spot and a cool spot to downhill pretty iconic spot and so i'm thinking like hey i've got a bunch of e-skate homies and i'm tied in with that scene pretty well what if we bridge the gap here what if i take 20 e-skate dudes with like these crazy built out boards that'll go super fast and can like actually pull people up the hill and do this video of like all these e-skate people doing laps it's like taking all these like skaters up yeah as a shuttle yeah so i'm imagining closed road shuttle drone shot whole city <laughs> And it's like, it's like, oh shit. They're the, they're, they're like, they're the lift. Up. Yeah. 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 And they're so, like and so now it's like, Hey, we need you. It's like, I don't know what superhero movie or action movie this would be, but it's like going to the dark side a little bit. Cause for them, they're like, fuck you core skaters. Yeah. You guys are assholes. And now for, it's, for, it's and for core skaters, it. core skaters are like, fuck you guys. You guys are kooks. Yeah. And now it's like, let's join forces yeah. <laughs> to do something dope. So I, I'd like to focus and do like a lot of more spinoff projects like that, where it's just like random, something cool, some cool, fun ideas, got some viral, viral potential that's yeah. impacting people in some way and changing culture yeah. to be more like kind and empathetic. I think both ideas are incredible. I think the, the tour, like you said, is this is a, a con, a proof of concept. And then as, as a uh, guiding principle, we use it liquid IV, it's test to scale. So you need to prove something very small scale on a, as a test. And if you can show that it works, then you scale it. And it's the same thing right. where you, you're going to test this out regardless of who jumps in as a brand. 
doesn't matter. You're going to have this concept down and you'll have deliverables and you have a whole thing to show to brands moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in the business world that I didn't know until I started working at Liquid IV was exactly what you just said of like hitting a brand up three weeks before is extremely difficult to get budget. Like I manage the podcast media buying and my podcast budget for the quarter is locked in day one of the quarter. Mm -hmm. And that was the one thing that I, it's been so even in like the film industry, like things are shot, like things are shot, you know, months ahead of time than before it comes out or even like production that's in, that's being produced right now. It's being shot today. You probably won't see it on the big screen until a year from now. And that's, I think been the one, the biggest shift that I've had to realize within not just the business world, but within my own terms of what I want to do at, at a scale is like, this shit really does take time and to do it at a high level. It takes a lot of planning and we're planning as we go, dude. Every but day that, I'm writing that, new Google documents. But, but you're, but that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be learning on the fly because you wouldn't be ready to plan a 50 city longboard tour if you didn't start off with a six person, six city yeah. longboard tour. So it's you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, making it work with whatever money you've got. There's no doubt in my mind that this investment in this tour is going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to open up more doors and it's that, oh, it's always, and it's, we've heard it in this entire episode talking to you. It is that trusted inner belief of just, this is going to work itself out. Mm-hmm. It is going to take me to the place of where I need to be, but trusting yourself and having that confidence within you is very hard to develop, but it is ultimately going to be the, the thing that allows you to actually get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Got to roll the dice. And it ain't fucking easy, but you're doing it, which is, it's awesome to hear that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, as we are kind of closing up on this podcast, somebody that hears this episode today, what do you hope is a takeaway or lesson, even if they have zero interest in longboarding? You're going to get people that tune into this podcast, listeners to this show that maybe have never even thought about longboarding, maybe have no interest, but what do you hope people take away from your story? Mm-hmm. You're so much more capable than you think you are. And you never know until you try. Mm. Everyone wants to wait until they have their ducks in a row, until it's planned out. Dude, I couldn't, dude, if I tried to do all this planning a couple months ago before I started calling brands, I would have had to change everything. You have to iterate as you go. And one of the biggest lessons I learned, like 2016, when I bought all my nice camera gear and was like, cool, now I'm a professional. I went, my, my content went from several times a week. So now I was like trying to just shoot a couple videos a year and I never even released half of them because I was like, this isn't good enough. The camera, the framing wasn't, this wasn't good enough. This wasn't whatever. Or like this idea, never execute on it because it was like planning in this and that and whatever. You're not going to be able to do the perfect thing from the beginning. Mm. You just have to realize that. But the more you do, the more uh, proficient you're going to get. So it's not about quality. Everyone worries about ah, the quality of the production is not that good enough. Quality comes with quantity. Mm. How can you up the quantity of your productions so that in one year you have 52 podcasts under your belt, mm. not five? Yeah, I I, you know? I I completely agree. Yeah. I every every I feel like every other every five episodes I feel like I got better. Every episode I'm getting better as a podcaster. Mm-hmm. So it is it is exactly that. You need to be willing to put up the quantity to then deliver that quality. Yep. It's the repetition, reps on reps on reps. 
Yep. Every time I post a new episode that goes live, I'm like my own biggest hype, man. Because I know it's just getting me one step closer to where I truly want to be. But I wouldn't get I wouldn't get to that position if I wasn't willing to show up. You wouldn't have gotten to where you are today if you weren't willing to get on the board and keep fine tuning and learning and being willing to, you know, take as many diggers as you've probably had to take to get to where you are. But um Dude, people don't realize I was my last year of university, I was literally sleeping in my car, saving my money so I could travel. I was like, my buddies, I had buddies that are making four times the amount of money as me. They're like, dude, how do you, how do you travel so much? How can you afford to go all this stuff? I'm like, bro, cause I don't go to the bar four times a week. You live under your means. Yeah. You know? And it was, it worked out good cause I was in university. So I was like, the grocery store was there and the gym was there. So it was just like, yeah, you can chill. make it work. Um, I do want to hit on one thing though. Please. Before, before we jump off this, you mentioned the beginning amp skate. Yeah. Where'd you find that? Through my research. Top secret. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I just posted on Facebook uh, actually about that. Please. I just I just updated my career status. You know how Facebook goes, and they send mm-hmm. it to everybody. Um, Amskate's a project I've been working on with some friends the past year. As, or, if you, as if you didn't have enough going on, but yeah. I know. Yeah, past six months. Um, we're developing like a new platform. I mean, you read it off, actually. You read it. You had a, you had a good synopsis. Yeah. Did the research. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, uh, it's going to be the unifying resource for the entire longboard community i'm really excited about it. we've been working out for six months uh with a business partner her name is laura paragano she's like a worked at google 10 years doing i think ui ux content writing type of stuff she's a cool partner i have this guy ayuba boss in italy he's a moroccan dude cool developer guy mm-hmm. and this guy andrew steinheiser in phoenix another cool dude and we're plugging away on this thing. Um, I got some really, really, really exciting news the past couple of days that I don't want to blow because like, I don't like to count my, count my chickens before they hatch. Mm-hmm. But I'm super hopeful for it. And it could be you know, a really, really big turning point for what I'm doing. Mm. So I'm excited. We'll see. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. It's going to be I'm, August 30th. August 30th. Oh, dude, that's... A month from now. Right around Wow. The synchronicity, bro. <laughs> if you guys are watching this right now, make sure you tune into my YouTube channel. And hopefully you see something super cool this week. It's great. We'll see. Timing. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Yep. We're going to be part way to the tour too. We're going to be halfway done. Yeah. Wow. A lot of catch up. You guys going to have a lot of stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. You, you blink with Brandon's life and a lot goes by. So you yeah. have to stay in tune with them. Well, I'll make sure to update the... Uh, if the video goes live, uh, by the time this comes out, I'll have it in the description. Or once it does go live, I'll go back and I'll update it. So if you're hearing this and it's been a week or two, uh, you'll be able to find the video in the description. But I, I like the high-level context of what, what, what we have to come. Uh, final cues, and then we'll kind of wrap up. These are kind of quick, short fire. Uh, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice at any point of your life, what would it be and when? Mm-hmm. I think it, that note about uh, quality I thought I was going to buy a $4,000 camera and hand it off to my buddy and be like, cool, now I'm going to have just dope skate videos of myself. No, it's not just a nice camera. Nah. I can film way better videos of myself with a tripod and my cell phone than handing a $4,000 camera to any one of my friends. Yeah. And I can do 10 times as many of them because I'm not dependent on somebody else. So I think just that whole thing about quality, people are worried it's not good enough. It's never going to be good enough. But it's going to get you one step closer to being better. Yeah. Depends okay. on where your expectations lie. Yeah. 
I like that. Yeah. Uh, what's an area of your life you need to put more effort into? Mm. Rest. Rest. I think so. Or or recovery. Mm. Maybe I need to stretch more, man. Mm. Like I mean, I stretch. You got to get like a, you need to get a Theragun and you need to get a foam roller. Yeah, going to change your life. I've Robbie heard. showed me these things because I I screwed up my IT band running. He showed me these two changes using a foam roller mm-hmm. and then a Theragun will change your life. Yep. I, I want to be a better skater in 10 years. I want to be now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I've seen dudes that are 50 years old and kick my ass 10 times over. Mm. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Most people give up when they're like 22. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, I think recovery just for, um, just for endurance. Yeah. Lifelong endurance. Yeah. Of like whatever I want to do mentally, physically, emotionally. I, I can never not rationalize something that's investing in myself. And I would say anything in the recovery world is definitely an investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. So pull the trigger. Yeah. It's going to be worth it in the long haul. What's the first step anyone can take to reaching their inner potential? Um, I think lower your expectation. I think most people wait around for the, for the stars to align. It's very rare that the stars align. And when they do, you have to be ready before that happens. Mm. When Facebook decided to make a longboarding commercial, I didn't then spend hundreds of hours replying to DMs and making tutorials and whatever. If you weren't ready, they weren't picking you. So a lot of people, I think they just, they hold off too long on, on waiting for their job to pan out, waiting for them to have a little more money, a little more planning, a little more preparation. Um, yeah, the biggest moments in your life are going to come out of nowhere, but they're going to be serendipitously um, worked towards. Mm. One of the best sound bites, and I still remind myself of to this day, was early 2017. Was a podcast guest I had, and he definitely pulled this from elsewhere. But I, it just—I was the first time I had heard it in real time, so I always think of him. But opportunity is when luck meets preparation. Mm-hmm. Yep, hundred percent. Or I said it wrong. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Sorry, I said I said. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. It sounds the same though. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. You have to be prepared, prepared. and then the opportunity comes. Yes, you can't wait for the opportunity, then get prepared. Never yeah. works. Those yeah. people fail. I love that. Yeah, shout to Facebook one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if somebody made it through this entire podcast, they have made it through seventy-five-ish minutes of listening to this episode. What is one challenge you have for the listeners today as they wrap up listening to this episode? Wow. Any one challenge? Single challenge? Because mm. we all can listen to podcasts and it's like they get inspired and, you know, they right. all have things. Right. And, that and then, and then they, all, start, they start shaking. They yeah, start pacing. Like, right, what do I do now? What do I do now? It's like, mm. what's the one challenge they should challenge themselves after listening to this episode? I think whatever it is, um, most people have one thing they really want to do or like one project they really want to work on, one step they want to make in their life, it's really, really hard to make that step because it's normally pretty grandiose. They want to completely change careers. They want to like pour all their money into like this new project or all their time into this or that or whatever. That, I could not do that. That's too big of an idea. Break it down and do 1% of that, mm. whatever it is. So it's like if you if you want this new career, or you want to like, whatever it is, intern for someone special or, you know, whatever, totally change paths. Like what's one thing you can do? Maybe you can't buy a camera, but is there something you can learn today about photography? Is there someone you can reach out to, to offer to be an unpaid intern 
Like what's one thing you can do? One email, whatever it is. Yeah. Take your, take your main cool thing that's been burning in the back of your mind that when people say, what's one thing you want to do with your life and you tell them that thing, do 1% of it today. One thing. There might be 10,000 things to come, but one small thing. Yeah. There's 10,000 steps to get there, but reverse engineer. What is, what are the things that you can do today that are in your control? I don't even think it has to be reverse engineering that that's a whole process on its own. Mm. Even just one thing. It might not even be exactly what you need to do to get there. But I've over the years had a lot of projects where I was like, I want to do that. And they don't move until you start moving. And so whatever it is, one email, one Google search, whatever it is. And with that, with with uh, action comes creativity, whatever it is. There's some quote that I like where it's mm. like, people wait around to be inspired to create something. Totally. You have to create something to be inspired. Yeah. You know, showing up to the desk to sit down to write, picking up the longboard to skate. That's where the, that's where the creativity and the inspiration flows. Literally just force yourself you to, to write to, 10 words. You have to create it within. Yeah. If you, if you wait around to be inspired to do it, that's, you no. might wait, you might wait forever. Sit down, write 10 words and then try walking away. No. You can't. It, it's momentum. Yeah. It comes while you're in the process of doing. Yeah. The best thing that I, that's helped me show up and to create the inspiration is by scheduling. Mm. I'm a very regimented person. So I know that every Monday at 8 a.m. I'm recording my solo podcast. There's no question of when am I doing it? Because if I don't put it on my calendar, I'm going to wait for the quote unquote inspiration to hit and it's never going to hit. Yep. Cause I'm oh. going to keep pushing it off. I'm going to keep procrastinating. I'm going to keep prolonging. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. But when you see it on your calendar, you've decided this is the day. This is the fucking D-Day of when I'm recording it or when I'm writing the book or when I'm writing the newsletter or mm. when I'm prepping for this episode. When you put it down and you date it, that yeah, you show I, up for I love it. that. Let's let's change the challenge. Hey, guys, new challenge. They can add to it. <laughs> so the challenge is do that one thing. You might not be able to do it right now. You might be falling asleep to our beautiful voices. I would love that. You might be driving Sweet the car. Dreams. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, you might not be able to do it, but the one thing you can do is schedule 15 minutes to do that one thing sometime within the next 24 hours. Boom. Everyone has 15 minutes to do something, man. Boom. When people say they don't have time, bullshit. Create it. Yep. 15 minutes less less asleep, 15 minutes less of texting, Yeah. Of scrolling. Scrolling. Everyone's got 15 Create minutes. Create the time. I've got at least 10, 15 minute chunks that I blow down my leg every <laughs> single day. <laughs> and I'm pretty busy. Yeah. You know? That's good. Yeah. Find the 20, find, find 15 minutes in the next 24 hours and do that one thing that's going to get you to where you want to be. Brandon, this has been an incredible podcast, man. I literally could spend, there's a lot of things that we didn't even get to discuss today, which I'm, like I told you before, I prep enough just in case, but I knew that there was a good chance this was just going to free flow. We were going to pretty much hit on everything, but, um, you know, just from what we've talked about today, doing a lot of your research. And then even some of the things that we talked about where we didn't talk about today, where you left college for after two years to go pursue this. And then eventually props to you, to you, you went back and got your degree, which once again, it goes back to what you said at the very beginning of this podcast of like, and I don't think it was in during the podcast it was before the podcast. Maybe I don't even remember. Cause we've been talking for a while where when something comes on your radar, if you need to finish and accomplish, it has to get done. Whether it's the text, the DM, the, the project, buying and, a motorcycle and driving to LA, dude, the, the fact that you left college and honestly probably never would have had to necessarily go back 
but you did because it was that thing that was on the list of like I need to accomplish mm-hmm. this. I, that's just a minor scale of of the comp- not competitiveness, but the work ethic that you have within you. And I think just hearing your journey today is just an incredible example of like bet on yourself, be willing to put in the hours, stay extremely passionate, and get one percent better per day. And that's yeah. why you're here today. And this is why you're barely just scratching the surface of. I can see in the smirk of your eyes of like the the millions of things that you want to do. Um, but I feel honored to to chat with you today. And and I love that that comment about like you know when Facebook's looking to make this commercial, there's only a list of of, of longboards that they're going to consider. And you were one of them. And you are probably always going to be one of them for anybody within the longboard space of downhill. And um, it's an honor for me because. I want to provide high level conversations with high level people and you're doing it right now. So um, props to you. And this has been an absolute honor talking to you, brother. Props to you, man. Thank you so much, Bobby. It's been a pleasure, bro. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this podcast today, we got a little favor to ask from you. Screenshot this episode on whatever platform you're listening in on and post it to your IG story. We want to know what your biggest takeaway was, what the biggest learning. Share it out on your IG story. Tag Brandon. He is at D-E-S- G-N-A-R-L-A-I-S on IG. I will have that linked up in the description below. And tag me at Bob A. That's B-O, three B's, four A's, and a Y. Share the podcast on your IG story. Let us know what the biggest takeaway was. What did you learn? And definitely let us know what you did within that 15 minutes uh, because you had to do something. And don't don't BS us. Get, get it done. In the description as well, I will have Brandon's website uh, tagged up uh, as well as going beyond the board, pure longboarding, and skate amp so all of his socials and everything that he has going on will be in the description below is there anything else that i should be plugging up your youtube will be there as well we're good to go if, man. They, just, if they google they google your name they're gonna find everything they yeah, yeah. Find. they'll find everything on google there. google longboard that's the goal <laughs> all google. you need to, all you need to learn is longboard oh brandon it's a pleasure man thanks for coming to the podcast thanks. today thanks for having me man cheers ladies and gentlemen it's the bearded man podcast see ya